So I was like, oh, we got to customize this for a market that nobody's talking to. They know that they need it. But then when they Google it, they see some old white guy. No offense, guys. Right. Again, I don't Wait care. a minute. Right. It's not Ozzie, me. It's not me Brandon, saying this. Brandon is not offended guy. by that. Not okay. So it's not rooted. me saying this. It's my market saying this. Right. And they don't drink. they don't feel comfortable. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, founders. Hello. What's going on out there in the interwebs? This is not chat BT. This is not virtual Brandon and Bob. This is actual <laughs> live without a net. Oh, let's let's just be honest. We've we put this entire conversation in Chat GPT and right. just asked it to just give us the words to say so we don't have to be real humans. Right. 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 Imagine you're a middle-aged hairless man trying to be funny and interesting. Relevant. Script. Relevant. Smart. Relevant. Intelligent. Good looking. Right, good looking. Put that I think we broke it. I think And then Chat GPT came back and said you're asking too much. Of I even can't. the world's most powerful computer. <laughs> even a super cute computer can't can't do what you request, sir. Uh, Try I, hope again. Every, I hope everyone's listening with a favorite cup of coffee because you're going to be really craving coffee oh at gosh. least for the first 10 minutes of this yes. episode. <laughs> we, we got an education on Cuban coffee today with yeah. our guests, and that was lovely. Um, and and talked about Cuban sandwiches and um, so I am, I am, I mean, my coffee's almost gone and I'm craving a Cuban sandwich, oof. you know, like right now yeah. I'm seeing it, I'm smelling it, I'm tasting it. Oh, um, gosh. and I'm remembering the, the, probably the best Cuban sandwich I ever had down in Miami. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, I need to get down to, I'm going to get down to Florida and see if I can get something close to it in Tampa. Probably not, but it, it'll be close. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this turned out to be a really fascinating conversation. Um, Brandon and I are both going through some some work um, with 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 some people to help us with some stories that we've been telling ourselves, and mm -hmm. we find out in this conversation that Amanda is doing the same thing. And my guess, Brandon, is that if people are really honest with themselves, there there are stories that they're running programs we call it running in their head mm -hmm. that uh they may or may not be aware of but my guess is they're kind of aware of it and they know they need to do something about it i think so i think as we were discussing and i think um you know the the entrepreneur path is a personal development course is really what it is and eventually your your subconscious your ghosts the, your, the things in the closet maybe you haven't you know faced are going to come out and they're going to insert themselves in your business at some point and and make you face it. Um, I think uh, the I think the fascinating part of this conversation, quite frankly, is that uh, Amanda found herself running up against stories that didn't actually happen to her. Mm, right. Yeah. These were stories that she was told um, and experiences that she had been recounting in her childhood that her parents and grandparents and great grandparents yeah. went through. So you, you talk about genetic DNA, you know, that being passed down from generation to generation, along with the stories, you know, Amanda's story of what she went against. And, and what her family went through is going to be fascinating to you, but it's even more fascinating of how it manifested in her life in, in 2022 and 2023, things that happened generations ago. I think mm. that's fascinating how that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a book out I read. Um, it's called, it didn't start with you. And it talks about, you know, DNA and imprinting and generational um, imprinting of stories and mm. and lifestyles and how that is actually very true it, how it gets passed on through genetics I, I believe it's epigenetics is the term I may be wrong yeah but uh 
but yeah, those, those, those memories coming forward and, and running programs that uh, cause us to, to have to face them, even if they weren't ours originally. Yeah. And, and you could, you could deny this all you want, but DNA is, is it's basically binary code. It's ones mm-hmm. and zeros, <laughs> yeah. which is the foundation of computer language. Um, that's you, you have programs running. And, and I think the thing that's encouraging is not, it's not really your fault. I know we say that a lot in marketing, yeah. but sometimes it's things that happen in your family's past that, that you've got to deal with, even though you didn't actually live through them. I think that's utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think those of us who who face those things um, and are honest with them know that, yeah, this, this is a real thing. And taking steps to deal with them, um, I, I think is is a it's a it's probably an, a necessary thing to do if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. But certainly it's a courageous thing, not pat myself on the back and you on the back. But like unless you deal with this stuff, it's going to be a pretty difficult road to haul. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So uh, I'm, but, uh, I'm, I really appreciate that we got into that on this, on this episode today. Yeah. I think that's kind of the meat the, as we talk about the underbelly of entrepreneurship and the, the real journey. I'm really excited to, uh, to interview Amanda today. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a good one. Um, high energy. So make sure you grab your cup of uh, Cuban coffee <laughs> and uh, enjoy this uh, fascinating hour long conversation with Amanda Abella. Founders, love to introduce our guest to you today. It's Amanda Abella. How are you, Amanda? I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. I made a little extra Cuban coffee for the occasion. Let's talk about this. Drinking coffee since you were five. So did it stunt your growth? That's the big burning question everyone wants to know. I don't don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know how tall you are, but that's the story. Yeah, you know, I mean, I have been drinking it since I was five, because uh-huh. uh, I'm Cuban, so uh-huh. that's just standard for us. Um, you know what else is standard? Drinking wine pretty young in front of your parents, so that when you're like, <laughs> God, yeah, but do you want to know? Can I be an honorary very, Cuban? I would like that. Yeah, it's like very European of us to do yeah. that, right? Yeah. As Latinos, and the idea was, my mom used to tell me this all the time. Look, you're 11 years old. You're gonna taste wine with me. Because then when you're 18 and you're out with these American kids in college, you'll be able to hold your alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) You you won't be a raging lunatic trying alcohol. You won't be a raging lunatic. So we're going to start here now. Like it's very European of them. Yeah. Good. (laughs) There's something to that. Yeah. It's an Italian thing too. Definitely more Cuban, but Italian too. I grew up Italian and, and yeah. We, that we like yeah, our- I mean, Italians love wine. I would imagine, you yeah. know, from a pretty young age, they kind of start training you guys so you don't look like an idiot when right. you're like 21, yes. you know? Yes, yes. And like trying to like chug Jägermeister or, or you know, that the, 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 what I like to call the 20 year old white girl drinks of the sugary, you know, at the bar fireballs and stuff. You're, you, at least you have call some refinement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we call them bitch drinks. Bitch drinks. <laughs> I love that's it. what I used to call them in college. I'm, yep. I hate those. I drink uh, like an old, well, I don't really drink anymore. Yeah. Just really nice wine is basically what I do now. Yeah. But when I did back in um, my college days, it was like a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So like, like a 1950s ad ad person. Yes. Pretty have much, a gin, yes. gin and tonic yeah. with a cigarette. And yeah, you're like back. 12. That's yeah. exactly what it was. A gin and tonic with a cigarette. That's exactly yeah. what it was. I didn't know it back then that I would end up in marketing and sales, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, you, you're totally of that Mad Men era. Yeah, you set, you set your path. What's the difference like so Cuban coffee like versus Colombian coffee, let's say? What's what's the difference? Uh, this is pretty much espresso like the Italians. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's yeah. like dark, dark and rich and strong and yeah. strong. Okay. Very was, strong. Is it, is it, is it bitter or does it have like, yeah, it's bitter. I mean, you can make it with sugar. I don't make it okay. with sugar. Cause there's other people in the house who want to drink some. So I'm like, everybody just figure out your sugar proportions on your own. Okay. But okay. basically the way that you would make Cuban coffee, we actually use one of the Italian old school stovetop percolators that's oh, how yeah, you make it yeah. yeah yeah you got one of those right I got one. and I got then one. Yeah. 
uh, I don't know if you guys make the foam the same way we do. I would assume. I don't know any other way of making foam. You let me know. You're Italian. Like how do you milk, make the foam? Like the steamed cream under the steamer? Or no, no, no. no, no, no how no, do you no. do it? So when okay, so Hundred? when we have the little Italian percolator on yep. the stove top, yeah. Um, you know, you put water on the bottom, and then you have the filter, and then you put the espresso, and then you twist the thing on top, yep. and then you put it on the stove. So then separately, what you're supposed to do if you want the foam on top for Cuban coffee is you um, put sugar in like a measuring cup or something and have a spoon available. And then the first coffee that I think it's called a percolator in English, the first coffee that comes out of the percolator, you got to like move real fast and put it yeah. in the measure and then stir it up with the sugar. And then you pour that on top when you're ready to serve it. Oh, so the foam is made from what? Is it made just from the coffee? Sugar. The oh, the sugar. Coffee the and sugar. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And that foams now some people. Yeah, and it foams up at the top, and then you have your sugar and your coffee already. Now okay. some people put more sugar in it. Um, yeah. Some people also, instead of regular milk, will use evaporated milk, which to me gives it like a salty taste. I used okay. to see my grandma put salt in it. I'm like, why are you putting salt in this? I'm I'm a little confused. But like, wow. some people do that. Um, but yeah, it's basically like the same as Italian. It's just espresso, the same way the Italians make it. Okay. So there's, yeah. so if I go to this order Cuban coffee, is there, there's there anything unique about the bean or the grind, anything, or is it, is, is it, you know, that's a really freaking good question. Mm. It's probably, I mean, given there's an embargo, it's probably not from Cuba, but like, it's probably <laughs> from like Hialeah in Miami. So like, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just very rich. It's very, um, if there's no sugar in it, it's super bitter. It's espresso, but it's very rich. It's delicious. I have a lot of American friends who've moved to Miami. They've never had this in their lives. They drink it and they're like, oh my God, where has this been my whole life? It's also like a big social thing. So this is the time um, of the afternoon where it becomes a social thing okay. where you're like outside in these little windows and you're drinking Cuban coffee outside socially, like on your break. It's like a thing in Miami and all the offices and things like that. Huh. You're listening to Coffee Talk with Bob Raven and Amanda. <laughs> with Amanda. <laughs> Let's so, not even get into Cuban sandwiches because they are my oh, favorite. Oh, God. Delicious. Oh, yeah. So bad for you, though. So oh bad. Oh, my gosh. Heart attack on yeah. a bun. Well, you don't yeah, eat it I every mean, day, but one of oh, the best don't? Cuban sandwiches oh. I've ever had was, was in Miami. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, Such Cuban bread, literally the ingredients are butter and lard. Oh. I mean, it's like yeast and lard. It says it. It's like yeast, lard. I love the Cubans. They're so yeah. amazing. Yeah, but it's but it's not chemically made. So it's, right. it's at least it's natural. Butter and lard. I God. guess. <laughs> God, give it to me. Give me so so you started drinking at five or, you know, you started drinking <laughs> coffee at five. You started drinking wine at 12. Um, yeah, pretty you, much. <laughs> so like, okay. How long so have you, you been in a three-step program or twelve-step yeah. program? <laughs> yeah. Not so, long because we learned moderation. My name is Amanda. Uh, I'm nine. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. so like, did you start business early as well, or did you like have a normal 22, progression? Twenty-two. Is that early? Is twenty-two early? Uh, not, it's not anymore. You know, not anymore. But yeah, tell tell us about how you got your start. Um, it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. I graduated from college where, by the way, I was one of the only Hispanics. I actually went to college with a lot of um, like Irish Americans and it was yeah. a total culture shock. But I was like, wait a minute, you guys are a lot like Cubans. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you drink a lot. Well, yeah, you start drinking with your versus, Yeah, like you guys are peas. And you're power. loud and you have big families right. and like the whole Say thing. Expletives right. a lot. Every, every, a lot. everything's a joke you yeah, know i'm like yeah. you all sound cuban to me do, um, do cubans <laughs> just start random fights at bars that's yeah the reputation well no Irish not people. at bars oh maybe just, not at bars right. right but like we're very passionate like cubans are like italians like i've been in okay. italy where it's like they're literally yelling at each other and you think they're going to kill each other but they're not they're fine and they're going to be it's like you're over <laughs> and done with it in 20 minutes cubans <laughs> are the same i love it they're just having a conversation. Literally the same. Just we're just having a conversation. We're just, you know, using our outside voices when we're having conversation. <laughs> outside um, voices all the time. So <laughs> col time. college outside of Miami? So yeah. So I was actually not far. I was in Naples, Florida, but Miami and Florida are not the same. So 
there's well, my, that. My, yeah, right. Um, so, um, yeah, so I graduated from college. It was 2010. Great time to be graduating from college yeah. so easy to find a job in 2010 right? Econ- economy in the shitter at that point economy right? in the shitter yeah and I was really struggling I was like literally having panic attacks and stuff like that and a friend of mine um I guess had kind of sort of been in the online world he was like a cousin of mine and he kind of sort of been in this online world he made money in weird ways like you know flipping Starbucks coffee on eBay and stuff like that and I was like wow. okay that's interesting um, and doing the frequent flyer miles, the whole travel hacking thing. Oh, yeah. Kind of like an unconventional kind of way to make money. And he handed me a book. He saw that I was struggling. And the book was The Art of Nonconformity by Chris Gillibo, mm. which I think was Chris oh. Gillibo's first book. And in that book, it was like, well, you know, you don't like have to go get a job. And I was like, wait, what? Why has nobody ever told me this Mm. before? And the reason nobody had ever told me is because I have immigrant parents who fled communism and came to the United States with nothing. So it's like, go to school, get a job. (laughs) That's why I've never heard it before. You know, like that's how you get out of poverty. You go to school and you get a job. That's what you do. That's why I've never heard it. You like go work for the government and go find some good benefits. Yeah. Um, But it was the first time I'd ever heard it. And I was like, well, if I can't find a job, why don't I make a job? And I Googled how to make money writing because I didn't have any other skill set to my knowledge that I knew of. And uh, that's that's how it all started. And then that long story short, that turned into basically an eight year career where I was doing content marketing for financial companies Mm -hmm. and around year and just figuring stuff out as I go, just like pitching all the time, like I just grinding you know it's mm-hmm. what we do you know mm-hmm. yeah. when you're figuring stuff out and you know i did eventually get jobs so you know i was a recruiter the recruiting was for salespeople, um which at the time i didn't even know i was in sales my sales training was like you're good with people go <laughs> <laughs> that was it i had no idea what i was doing i was doing i was basically doing outbound calls and pre-qualifying people without knowing i was doing it in recruiting yeah, I had no idea. I, I would not find out until almost a decade later that that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, around year six, I start running into an issue. That issue is I can't scale a freaking freelance writing business. Mm-hmm. That was issue number one. And issue number two, um, and I don't talk about this too much, but like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to go bigger and do something bigger and impact more people. And when you want to do that, you can't really follow basic personal finance advice. So I had like a little bit of a moral issue, not moral, but like values issue, I guess, going on. And um, I was also frustrated because I'm like, how many, like, how many more times do I got to write about student loans and budgets and credit cards and people Mm. doing all the right things and they're still not getting ahead? Like two plus two is not equaling four. Something's wrong. Mm. What's wrong is the system, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) right. But I was realizing like you could do all the right things and still get nowhere. Mm. So I was have, so I was still like, so I was starting to have like some issues around that as well. Um, and it, I wouldn't really crystallize until later, but the doubts were starting to creep in and I was like, well, like my hands hurt. I can't scale this thing. I need to go do something else. What can I do? People had been asking me how I built the first business. I put it into a training program. The training program is called persuasion profit. It was 2017. Um, I forgot to mention that throughout this time, I had tried to move into coaching before. So it wasn't the first time I tried to get out of writing. I'd been trying to make the jump and I was rejected 60 times in one month trying to sell coaching packages. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wait, that was in 2015. Yeah. Like you were on 60 phone calls and got rejected 60 call 60, like closing calls. And I was rejected. Wow. Oh my goodness. What, I would yeah. I would have folded up and just gone into the corner and melted away. I did right. temporarily. I was like, well, I'm just going to double and triple down on the writing, I guess, because I suck at this. So anyway, <laughs> two years later, I have to like, like not knowing I had been in sales the whole time. I still had no idea. Um, and then a couple years later, I'm like, OK, I, I have to try this again. You know, like lick your wounds, get up again, go do it again. 
And um, a friend of mine, we're still friends to this day from our finance days. She was really good at systems. And I was like, I think I need a system. Like, I think, I think that's what I need to start getting out of doing stuff for people. Like that's kind of the move I want to make. And she helped me put it together. And a part of what she trained on was sales. And she did a role play with me and she goes, you're really good. And I was like, mm. what, <laughs> what do you mean? Wow. You don't just hear the whole drama and soap opera about how I was rejected 60 times. She goes, no, you're really good. Just do this one tweak. I shit you not in two weeks. I made more money just calling people than I made writing in six weeks. Wow. Yeah. And okay. selling them into your, into what? Into the, into a, oh, so into a training program. Sorry, and in the okay. beginning, what I taught was like, here's how you put an offer together, right? And then here's how you market yourself online. And then here's how you pitch people, right? Like here's okay. how you actually get, cause I'd been doing that for eight years with banks. Okay. Not banks. knowing that I was selling. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then what happened was, um, in 2020, when shit hit the fan in yeah. 2020, people were banging down our door because apparently we had made a name for ourselves where our clients would get results really fast. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I realized that what had set us apart was the fact that I actually was teaching them sales. Mm. I was like, here's how you present the offer. Here's how you handle an objection. Here's how you close. Here's how you follow up. Here's how nobody else was teaching these people this stuff. They were getting a lot of online marketing, but nobody was teaching them how to actually convert. Mm. So I was like, mm. oh, that's really interesting. So I was like, all right. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I need to start duplicating myself even more. I have to start training team to like sell on my behalf. And that's when I realized that um, being really good at sales and training clients on how to sell is very different from developing your own team mm. on how to sell. So then I had to get really good at my skills, really good at my systems, really good at my process so that it could easily be duplicated. And in that process, I've been basically documenting the whole thing. And now I've basically become like a sales expert for women. And I joke that I had to go learn from a bunch of men because at <laughs> some point I was like, what, am, what exactly am I doing? Yeah, like I keep... We know yeah, exactly like, what we're doing, right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting <laughs> money here, but like, what exactly am I doing? Because if I had to go teach somebody else um, to go do this, like, I, I don't think I can tell them. And then I got rejected 60 times. And what, like, I have a lot of conflicting data here. So then I would have to go learn from the Grant Cardones and the Michael Burtz and the Brad Lees and the David Nagels and all those guys, which was great because it was like, oh, that's what I've been doing this whole time. Wow. <laughs> So it was like more, it was more validating when you went to these others because yeah, it you was just validating. basically their, their information just validated that, oh, I have been doing all these things. Was that I've been doing was, all these the... things since, uh, so part of it was that the validation that I've been doing sales since I was 20 and nobody told me the mm. second thing was, cause I was also in fundraising when I was 20 years old, that is straight up sales. Oh, okay. 100%. Yeah. Nobody told me it was like, right. you're good with people. No wonder you were drinking, like that was it. Yeah. Um, the other thing it validated is I realized where in my previous jobs, people had made a mistake with me and not training and developing me. So when it came for me to train my team, I knew I was not going to make the same mistake. Mm. So in a year, they've been able to do what took me six. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's Just leverage. From Love that. That's leverage, right? I was like, I wasn't closing sales worth thousands and thousands of dollars within a year. That took me like six years to figure out how to do. You're doing it within one. Mm. Because I realized where people had made a mistake with me, where I had this. I don't think sales, you're born with a personality for it. I think it's a skill set like anything else. But I do think some people are like maybe naturally inclined to talk to other people and actually enjoy it. <laughs> Sure. Um, I'm I one of those people. That's, a, that's big. That's a big deal because yeah. we get so much resistance around this idea of selling because we've watched the infomercials. We've watched the. Yeah. And know, everybody's had a annoying. horrible experience. Yeah. And then if uh -huh. it's not you, it's not you. And it's interesting that you're, you found a way that it you've made sales, you, your personality, your approach. Yeah. And then I always tell our clients, you got to make it you. It's your business. It's your company. You can't follow a script like you're reading off a teleprompter. It's not going to yep. work. And that's one of the reasons why we practice with them. 
But then I made a decision and I was like, oh, I want to do mastery. Now, I don't think you ever get to mastery in sales. I think it's impossible. There's always mm. something new to learn. Mm. So I was on a live stream. I'm like, guys, I've been in sales 15 years. I still train every day. Mm. I still meet oh, with my God. team every day. We still role play. Like we still do all that stuff because I just made a decision that I wanted to master this skill set. Then what I noticed was, oh, snap. I had to go really learn from a bunch of dudes what I was doing. I don't care. I could learn from an extraterrestrial. I really don't care, <laughs> but there's a lot. I don't, I really do not care. Like what the packaging comes in. Can I go learn something? But not everybody's like that. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that for a lot of women in particular, there was no freaking sales training. And I also started to realize that because we're conditioned differently, then you have to train them a little bit differently. So there are certain things that men are very mm -hmm. good at naturally um, but then there are areas where they struggle and vice versa. So I was like, oh, we got to customize this for a market that nobody's talking to. They know that they need it. But then when they Google it, they see some old white guy. No offense, guys. Right. Again, I don't Wait care. a minute. Right. It's not Ozzie, me. It's not me Brandon, saying this. Brandon is not offended guy. by that. Not. Okay. So it's not me saying this. It's my market saying this. Right. And they don't, drink. they don't feel comfortable. So I was yeah. like, oh, somebody's got to give it to these women straight because everybody's yeah. telling them about manifesting and marketing and attract the ideal client to you and your astrology and your human design and all this stuff, right? Yeah. But nobody's taught any of y'all how to sell. Mm. Hey, what a great conversation we're having with Amanda. If, if you are struggling with sales, uh, whether it's mentally or actually physically struggling with sales, um, Amanda's got an incredible way to help you through these challenges. Um, if you find it difficult to ask for the sale or you're not getting the results that you're looking for, um, Amanda's team has a really powerful system and program that they could take you through, which includes practice and, and mentoring, live mentoring, which is really, really critical when it comes to uh, mastering the skill. Um, take a look at amandaabella.com uh, last name is spelled A-B-E-L-L-A, -L -L -A, so amandaabella.com. Uh, she has tremendous resources available and programs that will help you sell more of your expertise and more of your products and services that help the world. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. So, so, so Amanda, Based, based on that, do do or should men and women sell differently to other men and women? I, I actually say no, and I'm about to say why, right? Okay. I don't think that a very good salesperson is thinking about whether they're masculine or feminine because they're using both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like okay. a masterful, and I'll give you an example, right? Because I know right now, a lot of the hot online marketing stuff for women is like, learn how to do sales the feminine way. I'm like, there's no such thing. I'm about okay. to debunk it. So here's why. Really good salespeople, sometimes you have to lead. Sometimes you have to be assertive. When you're closing, you're being assertive. That is, um, and I think assertive doesn't have anything to do with male, female, masculine, feminine, but that's, that's like, sometimes you gotta lead people. That is a traditionally, those are traditionally masculine concepts, but do you okay. know what else you need to do in order to get really good at sales? You need to listen and be receptive to other people and be empathetic. And those are traditionally feminine qualities in order to be really good at sales. You need to master both in the same conversation. Love that. Yeah, I love that. So I, I don't hear here. Um, if I can offer, you know, one of the things you know, Bob and I cut our teeth in the internet marketing era where, you know, it was gurus and it was sales letters and VSLs. And what an observation I had is, is, is that your, your success, these big launches and everything was very much a masculine based selling strategy where how to overcome objections. Like it was a game and it wasn't about, it was more about winning the money off the credit card than it was. Right. I am serving this person. This is a great fit. They're going to be a great fit for whatever I'm selling. It's going to solve their problem. Which, which is I what believe sales is, is supposed to be. Yeah. Which yeah. is maybe, maybe more of a feminine nurture. I mean, I'm reaching here, but maybe actually it's super masculine. It actually it's super masculine because traditionally the masculine is all about giving. Okay. Okay. 
it's actually supposed to be masculine, but here's where people get messed up. They get in their egos, right? So I always like to teach the difference between passive, assertive, and aggressive. So, and this doesn't matter what gender, what you, it doesn't matter. So passive is basically, and women tend to fall in the passive category because of how they've been conditioned. So this is where Mm -hmm. things get different depending on who you're talking to, but everybody should be assertive. It's just whether you're passive or aggressive sometimes depends on how you've been conditioned and that's where you start seeing differences. So passive means you value yourself less than the person that you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. So in sales conversations, that sounds like, oh, well, you know, I charge this much, but for you, it'll be 50% off or you just don't even ask for the sale. Or if somebody gives Mm -hmm. you an objection, you don't handle it, or you don't try to close. Like, you're just like, like, it's amazing to me how people push money away so consistently Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're not valuing themselves. Um, in comparison to the other person, it's like they go into sales conversations thinking they're interviewing for a job, which is not how you're supposed to do sales conversations. That's Mm. one end of the spectrum. Women, because of how they've been conditioned, tend to fall there. Mm. Women are also relational by nature, but they will take it to an extreme. And this is why they end up on like three freaking coffee chats that still haven't ended up in a sale. Mm. Okay. There's the other extreme, and that's the extreme men tend to fall into, which is what you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Which is aggressive. And that is get the credit card at any cost, one call closed, you know, that kind of stuff that you hear from the guys. Yeah. Um, That tends to be like, fuck their feelings, basically. Coffees for closers, (laughs) you know, that whole... Yeah. Yeah. Always be closing that kind of thing. Right. Which, which is true if you're actually doing it, you know, correctly. And then they end up going to that extreme. And then that does that extreme doesn't work either. That means you value yourself more than the person that you're talking to. Hmm. The goal is to be assertive, which means you value everybody equally. Okay. I have never heard that. That's, that's interesting. I'm the only one who teaches it. I I was, well, that's why, what do you mean by assertive? So assertive, okay, so assertive is, um, let's say somebody gives you an objection, you handle the objection, you're not an asshole about it. So like, basically, um, what that might sound like, for example, is if you're passive, you don't even handle the object, you're like, okay, I'll I'll discount it by 50% or yeah, sure, Sure. I'll send you more information and they ghost you and you never hear from them again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what the passive thing is. The aggressive would be like, well, are you going to let $4,000 stand in the way of you and your dreams? Uh huh. That kind of stuff, right? Or just like not even like thinking that this human being could have considerations. And by the way, I see a lot of women on the internet doing this too, where they say stuff like, oh, I'm not even going to answer questions in the DMs. I'm like, how arrogant are you that you're not going to answer questions for people who want to potentially give you money? Sure. That's aggressive as hell, right? Or what's also aggressive as hell is when you start trying to prove yourself. I call it peacocking right? Like, this is why I'm so great. You just don't understand. Okay. The guru, you know? the guru strategy. Yeah. The Lamborghini. Yeah. The, the guru background. strategy, right? Yeah. Super yeah. aggressive. And there's plenty of women on the internet who do it too. I'm just saying, because okay. they had to learn from dudes. So I understand. Assertive is kind of where you're in the middle, right? I can't afford it. Great. Right. What I, I or actually a better one is that's too expensive. Oh my gosh. That's so expensive. You're right. It's totally expensive. We hear this from people all the time. I agree with you. Like you're just being empathetic, right? So uh, like, is the fact that it's, if if you thought it was within your budget, would you like do it right now? Yeah, of course Mm. I would do it right now. Right. And then you just take it from there. Right. Because it's, it's not a discounting of their feelings, right? You talk to them about their feelings and right now, as I'm doing it, it sounds like a monologue. It's supposed to be a dialogue between two people. It's just when you're teaching, it sounds like a monologue and people are like, Oh my God. And I'm like, it's a conversation. (laughs) It's a dance. It's a flow. Yeah. Um, you know, so you acknowledge them and then you go and try and figure out what the real problem is and then just solve the problem. Gotcha. So when you're passive, you don't even try and solve the problem. When you're aggressive, you don't acknowledge them and try and shove a solution down their throat. Okay. Gotcha. Right. The middle is like, I'm going to acknowledge you and your feelings and we're going to find out what's actually going on and we're going to solve this problem and I'm going to close the sale. Love it. Love it. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a both and from it's both and exactly we we have a, a friend and i guess that's been on before ari galper out of australia 
and he is delightfully in the um, the spectrum of empathy and relationship and resonance, you know, which is again the kind of the opposite Bob and I have experienced in the internet marketing space, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and still once in a while I see it a lot. But um, I like this. I like this kind of middle ground that it's not one or the other. You can find your way, and it's going to be a combination of both. But it's it's you're going to sleep well at night. You're not going to feel icky at the end of the call. You're not going to high five some somebody in the office because you won the sales contest and you get your trip to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well, the ironic part is that if you do it that that way, you would actually end up closing more sales. Okay. Okay. Would you have more refunds, however? Is, is, is there, have is less there a happy medium? Is there yeah. a happy medium for like, you know, motivated sales team, you know, coffees for closers and having mm -hmm. that, I think you said aggression, the aggressive side, mm -hmm. and then with the empathic side? Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, um, it's kind of like a little balancing act, right? But I like to use the archetype of the huntress for women. Okay. Everybody always, always talk about the queen, the queen this, the queen that. Queen sure. doesn't even make sense until you're at a quarter of a million dollars a year. Okay. Before that, it's the huntress, right? And who's the huntress? Artemis from Greek mythology. Artemis was like out having a good time, playing a game, getting the hunt, having the time of her life you know, super independent while men were like fawning over her because they couldn't have her. Like, <laughs> What an archetype. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. So I yeah. tell a lot of women, look, you need to embody the huntress. Everybody's told you about the mother, everybody. And like, you think it's like the submissive docile thing, but there's all these other archetypes that they haven't told you about. The huntress is one of them. Now, Artemis, also um was about justice she actually her her brother actually killed like seven people because they called her mama ho like <laughs> oh wow you know what i mean so yeah. it wasn't like uh you know she's she's hanging out with like fairies and animals and having a good time and she's also hunting and in a game and having a good time and she'll also f you up if you mess with her mama <laughs> i want to hang out with fairies and animals <laughs> 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 Sounds like a great day. And actually, she's one of the, I think if I remember correctly, she was one of the goddesses who's also the protector of children and young girls. Um, okay. So like, okay. yeah, both exist. The archetype is the huntress for women. I don't know what it would be for a guy. Yeah, so yeah. you would have to, I, you guys have different archetypes than we do. So yeah, most of them have yeah. swords and, you know. Yeah. Well, Artemis had a bow and arrow, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you, in our notes here, we've got that. So you were writing for personal finance and mm -hmm. something interesting in our notes is that money terrified you was one of the things you said. And you made, you referenced that earlier, you know, in how the system is set up. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, here you are writing for financial um, institutions, but you had a fear around money, which I think most entrepreneurs have to go through their exercises regularly about their relationship with money. Can you talk Every a little day. bit about that? Like yeah, um, actually, I have a lot more insight on this after the year that I've been through. So when I really decided I wanted to go big and scale this business and duplicate myself, oh man, it brought up all my shit, yeah. right? Um, when I had my first six figure month in the business, I actually ended up regressing because I went into a trauma response, not knowing mm. that I had done so took, th I spent three months thinking there was something wrong with me until I got some help. And within 30 minutes, they were like, did you know you have survivor's guilt? I'm like, what are you talking um, about? Okay. Interesting. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, I like, I had a, I mean, yeah, immigrant family, like immigrant struggle, like that yeah. type of stuff, yeah. you know, you know, one ends up, no one leaves their home country because things were great. <laughs> yeah, no, so okay. like, there's stuff there going on. Um, she go, and but other than that, like, I didn't have anything super traumatic or anything. She goes, you did it, but your parents and grandparents did. Mm, wow. So right. basically my family fled the Cuban revolution. So I ended up getting a lot of stories as a result. Um, not, I didn't know this until my mid thirties. Like I actually didn't even talk about it very much. Um, yes, I'm Latina, but even in my personal finance days, I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to be pigeonholed. 
I also yeah. didn't realize that it was such a big deal because I grew up in Miami and everybody has a story like that. So I was like, oh, this is normal. And then, then realized actually, no, it's not. <laughs> mm. okay. wow. But basically I learned a few things. So on my dad's side, um, my grandfather was police in Havana. So he basically had to get the F out like mm. fast because Castro was coming into Havana. He would have been a dead man, basically. <sighs> So he had to get out. I actually found that out more recently. My father had to be put on a plane by himself at the age of 11 and sent to the United States because there was two things going on in Cuba. They still happen. So number one is the indoctrination of children in the school systems. And people were afraid that their kids were going to get indoctrinated into communism and a whole bunch of stuff because this was still like early 1960s. Okay. The second thing is once the boys reached a certain age, they were forced to join the military and then they would send them to freaking Angola or Bolivia or God knows what kind of guerrilla warfare in the name of communism just to go get killed. Mm. So they had to get the boys out. So my dad was when um, they did these things called the Peter Pan flights. My dad wasn't in those, but it was same concept, right? Like my grandfather was in New York. My dad got sent to Miami. He went into foster care for a year until my grandfather had the money to come get him and then went 15 years without seeing my grandmother because they wouldn't let her off the island. Wow. On my mom's side. Um, oh, and by the way, my great grandmother, my dad's um, grandmother had real estate in Havana and all of it was taken. Oh. All of it. Mm -hmm. So then on my mom's side, um, it was a little bit different. She stayed in the communist system a bit longer. And what happened on my mom's side is uh, number one, she remembers the day the Cuban government officials knocked on the door and said, hey, this family farmland that belongs to you guys that my great grandfather, um, he was born in Cuba, grew up in Spain, came back. Um, but apparently he had a mass, uh, wait, was it? It was on both sides. She had farmland on both sides, whatever was left because a lot of it had been sold off and stuff like that. They basically knocked on the door and said, this doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the government. They seized all the land. Ugh. Wow. So my mom remembers that, right? She also remembers my grandfather being put in prison for three days because there was a rumor that he had a pig that he was going to sell for bacon and that's illegal. Oh my gosh. She also remembers her uncle being put in prison because he was a journalist. Mm. Never to hear from him again. Oh, wow. Um, and then my grandmother was the principal of a school and part of what they did in Cuba is like you had to change the names to like revolutionary heroes. So my mother found my grandmother being a very astute smart woman that she was found like some very obscure woman no one had ever heard about. Mm. To yeah. like not really play into the game but my grandmother mm -hmm. was like I have to get my kid out of here. Like I have to get her out of here and I have to get, and so basically the way that it worked again, this was the sixties, it's different now, but in the sixties, um, it's still a shit show like now, but in the sixties, mm. this is how you would get out. So my grandfather actually ended up working hard labor in sugarcane fields for three years in exchange for an exit visa to Spain. Wow. This is in wow. Spain, in Spain, they basically lived in poverty in Spain, my mom did go to Catholic school through a scholarship because they were taking Cuban girls, right? That they had nothing. They had no money. They had nothing. And then my, my grandparents on my mom's side ended up in the United States in their forties. They had farmland. My grandmother was a, a principal and they lost everything and had to go work in factories. And then at that point, everything became about survival, right? And kudos to my grandparents. They're courageous as hell because they're like, we're going to literally sacrifice everything so that future generations at least have a shot in democracy. Wow. Wow. So what happened was growing up, right? And I never talked about this stuff until more recently because I didn't even realize how it affected me until my first six-figure month. But basically, that's where the hustle comes from. That's where the resilience comes from. That's where like, I'm like, I have access to the internet. If I haven't figured out how to make money, that's my fault. Mm. Right. That's because I realized what I have access to. So that's all the good stuff that came with it. All the not so good stuff that came with it that I was not aware of was money equals anxiety, of course, because everything becomes about survival. So there was no like amount of money. It was just money, money period equals anxiety. So I start making more money and what happened? My panic attacks start coming back. Oh, wow. Okay. 
And I didn't know that that's what was going on. I thought there was something way wrong with me. So yeah. that was number one. And that was like a subconscious thing that was running. The other thing is I would always feel like this weird thing about leaving people behind. It was like this weird guilt that I would have. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I get successful, I don't know where the hell that came from. And it was small enough where I could ignore it for a decade. But when I had my first six figure month, it was so loud and I could not get rid of it. Meditating wasn't working. Exercising wasn't working. Nothing was working. And anyway, that goes back to my grandparents literally left everything behind. Mm. So there was a fear of that. Sure. Right? Like I'm going to leave sure. people because, you know, we still have family over there. I have family that I don't even know exists. They just got access to the Internet a couple of years ago that they'll go find me on Facebook. Um, yeah, I have family members showing up in my DMs that I didn't even know existed. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And then because uh, I'm like the most visible in the family and then they see the last name and then they put two and two together. So then the other thing that I got was um, like this weird thing that something bad was going to happen if I got very successful. What is that? The fact that, I mean, my parents were like, there's a story that only the wealthy people left Cuba. It's bullshit. My family was generally middle class. Like we weren't wealthy by any, we weren't the Bacardis, you know, <laughs> the Bacardis were wealthy. We were not the Bacardis, you know? Um, and, uh, but they, they lost like even a little bit of success. You were a target. Mm. So that's where that came from. So basically all this stuff came to the surface at the exact same time. The minute wow. that I was like, I just had a six figure month. I'm going to scale this thing. I'm going to train people. I'm really going to go for it. And I ended up regressing right as a result, because all that stuff started coming up. And I walked around for three months wondering what the hell was wrong with me until somebody mm. finally figured it out. Wow. Have you ever captured that story or ever considered capturing that story in any type of book for? Uh, oh, yeah. It's already written out already places. Done? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was documenting everything as I was going through oh, it. Wow. So it's all in journals somewhere. So how did you get over that? How did you get past that? Not over it, but past it or through it with um, your six figure month? What, what, what I'm that... still kind of getting through it, right? Okay. So we're still on the rebound from that. But part of what happened was I got help, right? And yep. I call it my desperate DMing, right? Where I okay. met a woman called Angela Bell. Actually, she's in JVMM. I just got her in. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, cool. Yeah. And she basically focuses on the brain. That's her whole thing. And I was mm. about to interview her for my podcast and she explained what she did. I was self-aware enough where I knew that something was very wrong, right? I was like, I think there's something wrong with my brain because I know exactly what I need to be doing. I have the plan. I know how to, like, I know how to floor this thing if I want to. And I'm terrified mm. Yep. and I'm self-sabotaging. But I, so I was self-aware enough to know that my behavior was not normal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I can't think of anything. It's got to be my brain. Mm. So basically I was like, I think I need to work with you. Here's my credit card, whatever costs, so I'll figure it out. Hey, everybody. Hope you're really enjoying this episode as much as I am today. You know, one thing that I appreciate and I see so many times when we get to have an up close and, and personal conversation with our different guests is is the power of story to sell and convince and to endear uh, people to you. Now, there's a lot of people there's there's probably hundreds of people you can go and get sales training from. But in my first meeting today with Amanda and getting to know her and getting to know her story and to hear about her tenacity and her energy that she puts into her business, her life, her willingness to have the hard conversations with herself and, 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 and go there uh, is such a powerful testament to who she is and someone that I would be glad to give money to in order to, uh, to learn from her. Now that's because of her story. It's not because she convinced me with a sales letter necessarily. It's because of she convinced me with who she is. And that's what video does. It captures who you are, the essence of who you are, uh, the, the, the rapport building skills, the inerrant personality that you hold. That's what it does. And that's what it amplifies. So if that's something that you feel like is needs to be done in your business because of the world-class solution you offer, please reach out to Bob and I on feedstories.com. Let's book a call. Let's talk about how we can use video to amplify you. Let's get back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. Um, so, so that's fascinating, Amanda. Um, yeah. Brandon and I have a friend, her name is Britt Lefko. 
Um, mm-hmm. She does work like this, very similar to what you're talking about. Um, I'm working with uh, with the friend Vlad Solovetsky, who is working on the same things with me. And what we're talking about is a story that we have programmed in our brains that was that was deposited there in our childhood. Mm. And we are subconsciously unaware of this program that's constantly running. And we run this program over and over in our life. And it just reinforces itself every time we have no idea that it's happening. And when, when you hit these walls, or when I say I keep playing the same story over and over, I never realized what it was until I became aware of it suddenly. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I need somebody to help me fix it. So yeah. Brandon Brandon works with Brett. I work with Vlad. We are working on demolishing stories just like you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is programming and it's, it, it's, there's no one to blame. Mm-hmm. No, not right? at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you know, life. The, yeah. These are stories that actually happened. You know, yeah. what happened to your, to your, to your ancestors, your, your great grandfather, your grand, your grandparents, like these things happened and those stories are deposited into our brain at a time when our brains are developing and they just, they just run. It's like a virus that's running on a computer that you're unaware of until it's all of a sudden it manifests itself. Yeah. So I am convinced, you know, Brandon and I are both in our early fifties. Like we've been running these programs for decades mm-hmm. and, and we're seeing the results of these programs and we're, we're working to demolish and trash those programs and replace them with new programming. Thank God you discovered it in your thirties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, That's what I hear. Yeah. But what I hear from you, and this is, this is very common and this is, this is really pertinent is that the first instinct you have is there's something fucking wrong with me. <laughs> what yeah. the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because like this does, this is not normal. My other entrepreneurial friends aren't going through this. I've come to learn that's probably they, also, everybody's going through it. Right? That's what right. I've yeah. come to learn. And we're all suffering yes. in silence because no one talks about it because no one mm-hmm. talks about this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this, this is such a topic that is so critical. We're going to have Vlad on the show. We're going to Brit on the show. We're going to, we're going to focus in on this because I think it's the thing that holds most of us back is this. And again, this is not this. It wasn't your fault. It's no. just what happened. It's where you came from. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that, you're, you're living a story. It's just so fascinating that this wasn't triggered until you had a six figure month. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? Yeah. Well, it's at just, that point just... I was going beyond anything that had ever been modeled for me. So, sure. I mean, I didn't even know until after that happened that my great grandmother had properties in Havana. Jeez. Well, just the fact yeah. that it, then it causes you to go chase down those stories and figure out what it is. And, you know, in, in your work, I'm assuming you're, you're going back through those stories and resolving what actually happened in those stories. And that's, you know, that that's fascinating work. Um, and it leads you to, it leads you to a good place. You know, it and does. I think, so yeah. yeah, it does. So what I'm seeing on the other side now is like, for example, I'm like, all right, let's go like podcast tour, be super visible, do all this stuff. Whereas before, like, I would feel like my skin was crawling a little bit or like yeah. we did this month. Great. Here's our goal for this month. Um, it's just like the fears of like leaving people behind aren't there anymore. Cause now yeah. I, un- it's been resolved or feeling like something horrible is going to happen. Even if it does, well, I'm capable to deal with it. So like that's been resolved. Um, it's just a lot of these things start becoming resolved. So what I ended up doing was a lot of, um, awareness work, but also like emotional freedom technique, hypnosis, like all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff to start resolving this stuff. And it's even to the point where like, I don't know, like I had somebody do like, you know, y'all have seen this, right. Where like somebody buys something and like they bought it them damn selves. And then now they decide they don't want to do it anymore. And then they'll do a chargeback saying that they don't recognize the charge, but it's like, I have you recorded on video buying the damn thing yourself. Oh, (laughs) right so you know that right but you know that happens with online and stuff like that that stuff used to piss me the fuck off i don't care anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so So, at the core of this so 
does it does it come down to because again bob and i do different types of belief work and such and one of the things that's came up really consistently is this idea of deserving and i think deserving is a man-made concept you know mm-hmm. it's been, it's been propagated by religion i want to hear this because women women have this whole fucking mental shitstorm in their heads about being worthy of money i had ariel right. ford on my podcast a couple years ago yeah. and she goes we need to stop with this convert like this conversation is getting boring mm-hmm. interesting well like, I just, the people I think- use it as a crutch to not do things Sure. Well, there's, I think yeah. there's, you know, it, it manifests in a lot of different ways, imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. all the narratives out there. You know, I call it productivity porn or entrepreneur porn, where you're just, you're not working hard enough. You're not hustling hard enough. You're not grinding hard enough. You know, well, for some people that is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough, you know, um, but, but if, I think underneath it, there's this idea that not deserving, you know, and that's yeah. what I've heard from your story is, yeah, yeah, that's exactly I, I don't what it deserve was. this. You know, this is, yeah. this is too good for me. This is, you know, based on my history and family history, this is, this is too much. Um, yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You nailed so it. Fascinating. So fast. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the difference between building a business based on trauma and you didn't even realize you had done it, which by the way is where my fascination from, for money comes from as well because you know if your family flag communism they're pretty pro capitalist so yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? um you know <laughs> right? so yeah. there's there's that fascination of like i know what's available to me i got to figure this out but it's like the difference between building a business based on trauma which i'm now convinced most entrepreneurs have some sort of little th- thing going mm, on yes. there yep yep Right. But Some little thing. Trauma there. capital that's... T, trauma lowercase T. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all have a little thing of insecurity that drives us until we realize what's going on and then we can rebuild from a different place. So, you know, first I had to rebuild myself. Um, and it, it got like really bad. Like it, it was to the point where I was manifesting so many fucking problems. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a state wanting to find me $11,000 for not filing a piece of paperwork I didn't even know existed, a client stealing tens of thousands of dollars from us. Like, I mean, it was just one fucking issue after another for like yeah. six months while I was going through all this, because that's usually how it happens. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so I had to rebuild myself first because I had gone to such a low place. Um, and so then I had to kind of rebuild a relationship for myself for, so my mentor was like, what did you used to do when you were a kid? I was like, paint and swim. Okay, cool. Go do that. Mm. I love that. I was like, shouldn't I be like selling something? You'll figure it out. Go paint and swim. So I had mm. to like rebuild myself first. And now I have a habit of painting and swimming all the time. Right. Cause I hadn't done it in 15 years and I love those things. But again, wow. that entrepreneurial, like go, go, go type of thing. Right. So I had to rebuild the relationship with myself first. I had to deal with the stuff I had learned that I'd become aware of. And again, not thinking this was a big deal because everybody in Miami's got a story like this. Yeah. All my friends growing up have some sort of crazy ass story like this. Hmm. So it's like normal to us, you know, like we don't even think about it. We just grew up around it our whole lives. Um, You know, Venezuelan, Colombian, Cuban, doesn't matter. Hmm. Everybody's got a story like this. Nicaraguan, Hmm. whatever. Sure. Um, Sure. And then, so that was number one. And then I had to like rebuild my business, but I had to do it from a different place, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to do it from a place of, this isn't me hustling out of an insecurity or a fear anymore. This is because I desire to do this. And, you know, it wasn't like immediate right away. We're seeing the results, but I, I built it completely differently. So I basically now have a machine in the middle of pretty much every automation you could think of running. Then Mm. I trained up a team member to help me with sales. She's actually on a call right now, which is why I'm able to be here. Um, because before it was just me, ha ha ha. I'm the super person. I'm the one who can do everything. I have so much ego wrapped up in this and I don't even know. (laughs) Uh, Um, Oh yeah. You've been through that already. Haven't you? Um, Yeah. We've all been through it. Like the ego that we have wrapped up in our businesses. So it was building a business from a place of not having my ego so wrapped up in it. Right. Where it's like, oh, this exists separate of me. I don't have kids, but I always use this as an analogy. Your kid has your DNA, but it's not you. It exists Mm. outside of you. Um, Mm. You know, for women in particular, like, like, you know, you birthed it, it's out of you. You know, it's, it's not yeah. in you anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or the other analogy I like to use is a car, 
right? It's like an engine of a car. So the business is now a car and then it needs an engine, but it's not you. Hmm. So I had to start seeing the business that way. And then that completely changed the way I was operating. So I automated everything I could think of. I got a team member trained up. Um, That's how I know I can teach anybody how to sell because she cried and almost quit. And now she closes sales worth thousands of dollars. (laughs) So if I could get her to do it, as long as you have the right mindset, you can do it. Um, She did. And that was that was what got her through it. Um, so, and so automated everything started building tons of referral partnerships. Um, and then once all that, and then got myself some more support. So it wasn't all on me. And I had to let go of my ego around that because that was a part of the process. And now I get to have fun right now. It's like, I'm on podcast interviews or on live streams or speaking or, and now it's like, not like sometimes, like, I don't know if you know this because we met um, in a particular group, but before I found that group, I'd done 200 calls with potential referral partners. Wow. And um, yeah, before I found it and um, people, I was like, yeah, I was doing like six or seven calls a day, right. To like build this thing out. And people were like, oh my God, that sounds exhausting. And I'm like, then get out of business. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. Right. Because once you're doing, I think there's a little bit of a, like, once it's built from a different place, you just don't get exhausted like that. I don't know if you've had that experience. If you've built it the right way, right. Where you're not doing all the things and you have the proper support and it's no longer some weird insecurity trauma thing that you didn't know was there. That was making you carry everything on your back. It was literally to the point where my shoulders started opening up and I had more mobility, like literally, Hmm. um, you know, you start having fun again. Right. And when you're having fun, you're able to do six or seven calls a day. You're able to go live every day. You're able to do speaking gigs. You're able to do the videos. You're able to do a podcast. Like you don't even feel it. You're having such a good time because it's been built from a different place. Right. Instead of the, the place of need and, and must and have to it's a it's it's a place of flow would you say yeah it's a place place of of flow so like i'm still coming out of the hole i created for myself with that whole situation still coming out it's not going to be an overnight thing right but we're but i'm seeing how like oh we have passive income sales coming in every day oh you know i've got team that's all the way in the kool-aid oh we've got all these referral partners sending us business oh these live streams have gone from like four views to like over a thousand you know, so we're starting to see kind of the, the, the energy of that. And I could go off yeah. for days about how sure. people just want quick results and don't want to master a fucking thing, or they just right. do minimum and expect above average results. But I don't think we have that kind of time. So <laughs> gotcha. No. gotcha. Right. No, so- this is, this is a really, really timely conversation, Amanda, yeah. because Brandon and I are going through similar things where we we are rebuilding ourselves and we're not yeah. scared or you know ashamed to admit that like we're 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 working on things too and you know we see the results of some um you know thinking and and stories that are running and, and we're we're making strides to fix that as well and so we we know we know that and we've done that a couple times in our careers um so yeah. this is just a really refreshing conversation from somebody who's like like you get it and I know there's people listening to this are going, I get it. I feel it. Um, yeah. And, and you know, we're going to do our best to fix ourselves, but also help others, you know, with, with resources and things like that. So this is just really timely, man. It was really great. We would love if you could share a little bit how you help people and where they could get more information about you. Yeah. So if you go to amandaabaya.com, A-B as in boy, E-L-L-A, and uh, just Google me, I'm everywhere everything's under the same name, but basically the main thing that we do is called persuade to profit. It's a 90 day sales training. Uh, you get our five-step sales process that we teach. You actually have the marker board version of it behind me right now, but it's a five-step <laughs> sales uh, process. We teach the skills that are required in each step of the process. And then my team and I actually practice with you. So you're practicing on us and not wow. with potential clients. Um, so powerful. that thing you were talking, yeah. So that, that, question you asked me about like, well, what's that balance? What's that edge? We help you figure it out. Cause that's one of those things you need to hear mm-hmm. in order to know. Love so that. our clients, you know, regularly increase their sales by 30% around the 45 day mark. We get clients get results within a week. 
Um, regularly, we've had clients go from nothing to a $14,000 sale in two weeks. Wow. We've had clients uh, generate three $2,500 sales in three days after they had spent 25 grand on some marketing program. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the main thing is we, we just actually teach sales. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. What a lovely, lovely uh, conversation. I'm, I'm so intrigued and so appreciative of your story and, uh, and, and getting to the raw underbelly of, of the entrepreneurial journey. And, and clearly, it is an underbelly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it is. And we like to go there. We like to go. Yay! There. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people do. So yay. Yeah. It's uh, certainly not the pie in the sky. That's for sure. Well, good. Well, again, Amanda, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing today. I know it's going to impact a lot of people. Thanks. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.